Welcome, everyone, to episode number 10 of Polar Opposites. I believe now we are officially in double digits. Hello, Spencer Byers, alongside Cajun Theory with Fanny Castellum and Cajun. I think easily start off the show with National Basketball Day, officially a thing. And if you're a surprise, join the club. I did not know this until doing a quick NBA.com slew through the articles, and I found National Basketball Day, December 21st, will officially be becoming National Basketball Day. We'll have our first ever National Basketball Day, December 21st of 2023. And Cajun, if you don't think we're celebrating it, you're, you're nuts. <laughs> there, will be a, there will be a special National Basketball Day pod on December 21st, no matter what day of the week that lands on. Well, say less, but let me ask you this question. Are they really put are they really putting are they really giving days to anything at this point? Oh, Kate, come on. You already know the answer to that, dog. There have been there have been days to things that I genuinely people tell me about and I'm like, wait, what? That has a day and it happens to be today? Huh. Okay. And just keep walking like I did not need to know, nor do I want to nor 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 do I want to know that piece of information. <laughs> But this one affects us just a little bit because now we have to make sure we record on December 21st. You know, Christmas holidays be damned. You know, I, 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 we need to get some more basketball content. Ain't that the first day of winter? Cajun, if you think I know that piece of information, you're nuts. I know, you know when winter starts for me, Cajun? When there's snow on the ground. When I go outside and have to brush off my car, that's when the winter starts. I don't care if that's October, September, November, January. Don't care. That's when winter starts. You mean May? Okay. We don't live in Timmins, okay? We're not Big Al like Cavillon. Big Al, okay? You know, when I like Cavillon starts brushing off his car in June, okay? That's that, that's Timmins, okay? That ain't here. Okay? We barely get snow here in Toronto. I'll be completely honest. Like, I, I get surprised. It, like, we have a lot of green winters up here, Cage. A lot of green Christmases, okay? But when it hits, it hits. Yeah, it hit, yeah exactly. Because you know where to put the snow. So you got people slip sliding away because they forgot to put on their winners because they don't own winners because why would you own winners when it's basically no snow? It's just when you Fair get enough. that two feet of snow and I don't got winners trying to go up a hill, I've seen it. I drove home in it, and it was an extra 45 minutes onto my half-hour drive trying to get around the traffic. Bruh. People slip sliding away in the slush, which was rather scary. I thought they were going to hit me, but anyway, talking about the lovely weather here in the – Lovely country of Canada. And of course, again, National Basketball Day officially recognized by the UN. Which again is the United Nations, if you so, didn't know. So we will, we will be adopting it here in Canada as we are part of the United Nations. Thank goodness, might I add. But anyway, get on to your regularly scheduled programming. FIBA World Cup is continuing on. And Team Canada. Canada. Holy Oh, I mean, man. you and I talked about how we expected them to be good. We expected them to do well in this competition, but they're doing a lot better than I think everyone expected, including you and I. Undefeated, beat everybody by over 30. By the end of day two, when everyone's played two games, they had the most points for, the highest differential, and I believe they still have, after three games, the highest differential and the most points for in their first three games, and are now booked themselves into the second stage of the World Cup. And if you didn't know, because I didn't, so I will explain. So basically what they've done is the top two teams from every single pool, from I think group A to group, I want to call it G or E, or no, E, my bad. I think it's like G or H, if I remember my alphabet correctly. Mm -hmm. 
And the top two seats from all of those groups will go into new groups. And now there's three groups. There is the Canadian group with Brazil, Spain, and Latvia. And I cannot remember the other two groups off the top of my head. But that is what the group that matters is. Canada, Brazil, Latvia, and Spain. Spain top group G, while Canada dropped group H. And Latvia was second and Brazil was third. Just Brazil beating, um, I'll say, to Ivory Coast, as that's the English way to say it. I'm not going to try to pronounce it the French way, because that is just going to get me in trouble. So we're going to act like it's, you know, we're going we're gonna to say it the, the, you know, the Queen's English way and hope to God I don't get, don't, don't, don't offend nobody. But anyway, so Canada will face that against, yeah, ex- yeah, I, I, exactly, exactly, Cage. I'm, my, I'm Marshawn Lynch. I'm only here so I don't get fined. Anyway, so... The um, Canada will play Brazil this coming Friday at 9.30 sharp a.m. over in Indonesia because the tournament is being held in Japan, the Philippines, and Indonesia, and Canada has been playing all of their games in Indonesia in the latter. So they will be continuing their tournament again Friday, September 1st. They will be continuing their tournament. There are games today at uh, at, uh, August 31st, the last day of Basically, most people's summer as school is starting up in, I believe, a week or two max. But and then I do want to mention that the other groups that are the teams that didn't make it, they were not the top two. They still have their groups. It's just they are now the 17 to 36, I believe, is the number group. And I'll call it the loser bracket. 36 or 32. One one of those two numbers are in the 30s. It's 17 to in the 30s, and that will mean basically that's the loser's bracket and Canada's in the winner's bracket. And as I quickly go through, yes, so I was correct as I skim through these um, groups. So it was Canada, and Canada in group H was the last group. They had the, if I quickly scan through the points four, well above the most points for at one at 324 points for above the Americans at 318. The uh, Americans had 103 difference between points for and points against Canada had 111. So Canada was the highest scorers as a team and highest differential from wins to losses. So that does seemingly bode well for, for Canada caging going into the next stage of the world Cup quickly going through the new groups that have started here at the tournament. It will be called on Google. It's I, J, K, and L are the new groups. There's four of them. There's Serbia and Dominican Republic, who both went undefeated in their their uh, tournament play. Italy and Puerto Rico were the second seeds in the in Group A and Group B, and they finish up that group. Italy, I believe, was with the with the DR, and Serbia was with, with Puerto Rico. Group J is the United States. Number one, above them, above them or below them is Lithuania, and then Montenegro and Greece are the bottom two teams in that group. Then it's Slovenia and Germany topping Group K with Aust- Australia and Georgia being below them, and then Group L, as I mentioned, Canada and Spain, Brazil and Latvia. And Spain will be playing Latvia tomorrow at I believe it was 4:45 or 4:30 in the morning. So if you want to get up at you know, before the roosters are up, before the sun's risen here in lovely Canada, you can and watch Spain probably put an absolute shellacking on Latvia. But Latvia did a lot better in the group stage than I think you and I would have expected in the group with Canada, blowing out both France and Lebanon. 
And then Canada at 9.30 sharp will be playing against Brazil. You and I will be live streaming it on YouTube. You and I will be giving our play-by-play analysis as well as game time analysis as the game goes on. That will be live on YouTube on the Outrage YouTube channel. So, yeah, I think it'll be fun with you and I breaking down the game, having some fun, doing a little bit of play-by-play color action, something you and I are well-trained at doing. Oh, for sure. As as I will I will now quickly plug myself. I Spencer Byers is right now the current play-by-play commentator for the York University and Sheridan College Volleyball. I also have been doing some side work with a company out of Manitoba, so doing hockey games specifically. But I've heard there's other sporting events they do um, handle, so we'll see how that works for me. I've also done basketball play-by-play for York specifically. So and the University of Toronto, as you and I and as you and I both did University of Toronto commentary because our, of our school's affiliation, our our college. So That's you a good and I are, George Brown too. Yep, and George Brown the year before. Yeah. I I didn't get a whole lot of that because of my Sheridan work. So I I usually just kind of forget it from my uh, my memory. But regardless, so yeah, it'll be a very interesting game cage between Canada and Brazil. But obviously the big one, obviously the one that's kind of marked on the calendar is Spain versus Canada Cajun. Just, mm-hmm. you know, quickly, as I've gone on for quite a while here, talking about the groups and stuff, what do you think is Canada's expectation in Group L with Spain, Brazil, and Latvia? Well, first of all, they can't look past Brazil. That's the biggest thing. Um, secondly... Now, I know people are going to talk about, like, the marquee match being Spain versus Canada. And the last time these two teams faced off against each other, Canada had the upper end, had the upper hand. And I think it's going to be the case of this time around. And as good as Spain is, they're missing one big factor when it comes to facing off against an opponent as good as Canada, and that's Ricky, and that's the absence of Ricky Rubio. Now, if y'all, if y'all don't know this, Ricky Rubio is taking a mental health break. Um, so first of all, we wish him all the best and hope he finds peace in this journey, in the, on this journey of his, but it's a pretty big loss for Spain losing one of your better playmakers. Now, it wouldn't have mattered if it's against, like, maybe Latin maybe Latvia or Brazil against Canada, a team who's dominated like throughout the group stages and has the highest point differential out of any team thus far. And most points scored. And most points scored too. It's going to be very tough. It's going to be very tough and Canada is as scary as this sounds. Still got room to improve. And that's a scary thought for the rest of the league. Like, rest of the FIFA World Cup participants because it's like what happens if what happens if say like Canada and the United States go on a collision course now looks like the U.S. got more talent but Canada will give them a run for their money maybe an upset happens too like the fact that we're talking about this right now that this Canadian team is as dominant as they are without even the present the services of Jamal Murray and Andrew Wiggins, it's scary hours for the rest of the FIBA World Cup FIBA World Cup participants. 
Yeah, and I quickly do want to mention here that Canada and Latvia, the two top teams from Group H, only play two games. They only play against Brazil and Spain and vice versa. You only play against the teams you haven't played yet in the tournament. So that's even more important for a team like Spain, that they can't mess up against Latvia because they got to be thinking in the back of their mind, as will Canada will with Brazil, that if you beat that team— you have to play against the other undefeated team in your group on Sunday, September 3rd, as these games are basically every other day until the quarterfinals, which will start on Tuesday, September 5th. So basically in about half a week's time or so. Mm. So it, it just it's it gets more and more important, Cage, as the games go on. And again, Spain versus Canada, last game of the second group stage. Sunday, September 5th, September 3rd at 9.30 a.m. in Indonesia. Like, that's a massive game. Not only for the, the playoff implications, the quarterfinal implications, just because Canada did beat Spain in the in the, in the the um, warm-up games going into the World Cup. I forget, even forgot about that, but you're right. They did beat Spain. Spain are the reigning world champions. Are they reigning, I believe, Gold Cup or uh, World Cup winners, pardon me. So... Mm. This game is a lot riding on it. Like, it. It is a game that now both teams can't mess up because they know who they're facing next. It's not a matter of, okay, if we win this game, then we play this team. If we lose this game, we play this team. No, no, no. It's locked in. Like They're guaranteed 9.30 a.m. sharp, Sunday, September 3rd, Spain versus Canada, rematch the preliminaries before the tournament. You know, like That's a massive game. And I just don't know, you know, What's that going to do to both teams going into their lesser their lesser ties against Brazil and Latvia, respectively? And I know, and I mean this for all the teams. Like looking at the schedule cage, it seemingly is, but all the undefeated teams right now play each other in the latter stages. Like Serbia plays Dominican Republic at 8 a.m. on this on, on Sunday, September 3rd. That's a big game. Both those teams right now are undefeated. Neither of those teams can afford to lose. Spain versus a uh, slow pardon me, Slovenia versus Germany, also undefeated tie. Like, that's a big game. The U.S. play Lithuania, who's the other undefeated team in their pool. I feel like, no offense to Lithuania, that's probably the the least interesting tie game of those four because of how good the U.S. is, how good their roster looks, how cool, how good their coaching staff is. But still, like, all the big games are at the end. So you can't mess up the first game, which almost always makes that first game worse for your team because they're overthinking it they're thinking of events that are not in their control that are later and that's the the last thing you need so hopefully coach Jordi Fernandez who who again took charge of this team what like a month ago Cage maybe two months ago yeah you know six weeks ago something like that to be able to rail uh bring these guys in uh trying to think of the word I was trying to gather there rein them in there you go I was thinking of a horse rein them in and be like, hey guys, we gotta get through Brazil first. Once we get through Brazil, then we can think about Spain in two days' time. But we gotta get through Brazil. Because if they lose to Brazil, then that makes the Spain game even more important. And vice versa, mm-hmm. if Spain somehow loses Latvia. Right? So there's so many things that are in play with that game and with this latter stage of the tournament that it's gonna be really interesting to see how these teams deal with that pressure of knowing who you're going to play later and knowing what, which game is the bigger, is the bigger game, if you will. 
So it's it's going to get really interesting as the as the tournament goes on here with the with the um, top 16, if you will, from Group I to Group L on Google. You know, with mm-hmm. just the undefeated teams. Because and again, in fairness, Cage, which we talked about the Americans, we talked about the Canadians. The third team in differential and points, only four points behind the Americans, might I add, in points four, is Serbia, and they're without. Their best player. They're without Nikola Jokic, I believe. Jokic didn't come, as Jamal Murray didn't come for his nation. Mm-hmm. So, again, teams that you know are like are gonna be dangerous, no matter what time of the tournament they're playing in. They're gonna be dangerous. And actually, Cajun, I tell a lie. Nikola Jokic is playing for Serbia. Oh, pardon me. No, I was right. No, he isn't. No, he, he isn't. But here's here's the thing, Cage. Uh, it's not Nikola Jokic. It's uh, Nikola Jovic of the Miami Heat. Add a V, get rid of the K. So that's where my brain got messed up. Because there's Stefan Jovic as well. I, I assume they're siblings or uh, related in, in some way. And now again, they have Bogdan Bogdanovic. So, but it, so they have talent too. Serbia does. They have some really talented players on that team. And then, mm-hmm. you know, our, our favorite, you know, non-Canadian team, Dominican Republic, with your favorite player in the NBA, Kat, Carl Anthony Towns, who are also undefeated I'm, at the tournament. I'm starting to wonder if that's your favorite player with the amount of time you've mentioned. That. Hey, I only mention him because I know he's your favorite player, Kate. That's all I do. And then obviously Slovenia with uh, our, arguably a top five player in the NBA in Luka Doncic. You got Germany who's got Dennis Schroeder. Most recent Raptor signing, who's done a great, who's had a great tournament and a great preliminary for Germany. Like, you know, we talk about Canada and the U.S. of course, and then of course Spain because they're reigning champions. Like it, <laughs> there are some really good teams at this tournament. Like you can't take anyone lightly, especially now with the final 16, with the top 16 being sorted out into their own little groups. Like it's, it's going to be a, a tough a tough draw for everybody to try to get through into the quarterfinals. Absolutely. And you forgot another name. Like, and I know Jordan's and Jordan, the country is out right now, but Rondé Hollis Jefferson. There's, uh, he really generated some buzz too. Like getting and getting comparisons of like playing, like, dare I say it. And I, you had to like rub my eyes to make sure like this was real. There were comparisons of him playing like Kobe during the FIBA World Cup. I'm like, wait, what? R- Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I'm like, and I'm not uh, like, I'm not even capping. Like, go through like IG or like YouTube, and there were like clips. It's like when you look closely, I'm like. Resembles a bit of a, a, a bit of like a Kobe playstyle. So I'm like, there's a lot of good talent. And there's there's a lot, a lot of good talent at this FIBA World Cup. Like, sum this up and the way everything's shaped up right now. Like, that first game is going to be key. Um, you can't afford to look past a team like Brazil, but at the same time, you can't overthink it because like. Brazil's probably going to be playing with house money, given at how Canada's dominated. But what Canada has to do is stay the course, do what they've been doing, 
And I don't think it'll be an issue like come Brazil. Now, Spain, on the other hand, like it's going to be a, like a tougher test, but I think they got a shot. I, th- I think they get it done against both those teams. And again, they need to to make you either make the quarterfinals. Like they, again, these are games where you you almost have to win them. Like you can't really afford to slip up because you don't want to risk mm-hmm. your chance of not being able to get to the quarterfinals, right? Like it, it's worrying when you think about it that way. That like you know they got to be able to win these games to be able to get to the quarterfinals, to be able to play those games. So it it you know gets really worrying. And actually, here you go, Cage. I have the um sorted groups right here. I'm going to try to do a little quicker deduction here while I try to make a quick look. So the top two teams from the winner's brackets will move on to the quarterfinals. The winner of L, which is the group that Canada is in, group L, the winner of L will play group K, the second place team. So as Germany, Slovenia, Australia, and Georgia. The second place team of Group L will play the top team, which means that if Canada comes second in Group L, they will most likely play Slovenia, you'd expect. And if they win, they'll play against one of the teams who beat them in the preliminary games before the tournament in Germany, who right now is slotted at second. We'll see if they stay second. But regardless Mm. of that, like it is... You know, again, slider margins here going into the, the the second group stage and then the quarterfinals, which I think at this point we expect Canada to be there. I think Canada expects to be there, but it's going to be a tough road to be able to get to those quarterfinals against, again, good competition in, in Brazil and Spain. Well, if there's one thing that we've learned from this World Cup like, when it comes to Canada is that um... – this team's being slept on. Because think about the group that they had. Heading into it, it was a pretty, pretty, I say, competitive or difficult group to be in. Looking at the names and looking at the the countries that were, that were in, like France and Latvia, you would think Canada would have a challenge on their hands. Fast forward to now, we're talking about them, like, handling that group with alarming ease. Um, and you got to give all the credit to Jordi Fernandez because he just came in. Literally just came, had, in. just came in. And had to adjust on the fly. And he sh- and NBA coaches got to watch out for him. Too. Like, NBA teams got to watch out for him. I'm like, he might, like, he, he going to have a head coaching gig really soon. I'm surprised. I'm I'm surprised he he like at this point. I'm surprised he hasn't already. Um, heck of a coach. He's really had Team Canada buy in, and they're more so sharing the rock. Like I get. I, I believe this was a FIBA record: 44 assists uh, against Lebanon. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander looking like he he like he could be like the best player in FIBA, and that's with Luka Doncic in the fold too. Um, for heaven's sakes, man, he's got he's got Dylan Brooks playing well. 
he's got he's got he's got the great Dillion Brooks playing well too at the same time. So it's like, um, and and it's not just the NBA players too. Trey Bell Haynes, and then arguably the greatest U sports baller ever in Phil Scrub. So this Canadian team is just chilling. And sure, yeah, Germany, Slovenia, like, it'll be tough. It'll, it'll be tough, but um, I think Canada's up to the task. I haven't felt this optimistic about, like, a Canadian team in a minute, considering what has gone on, like, Team Canada in terms of, like, soccer and, what, like, let's just say soccer. They, they're, they've been in turmoil. So to see Canada basketball and the men's side just thriving, it's new, but it's refreshing. I like it. Definitely is a renewed sense of optimism here in Canada about the basketball team. And again, I do want to say one more time before we wrap up, Cajun and I will be live, I'll say broadcasting the game, but we obviously can't show it due to copyright and not wanting to get sued, quote unquote. But anyway... Well, we will be reacting to the game. We'll be talking through the game. We'll be talking about the Canadians play, you know, things we see. Basically, my idea is I do the play-by-play. Cajun does the color. At halftime, he and I break down what we've seen so far, what we want to see from Canada, what they want, what they've done well, what they haven't done well, stuff like that. When second half starts up, basically the same thing. Basically the same thing. So we'll see if that is the way we do it or if we just kind of watch and react as the game goes on. But I'm thinking more of a play-by-play color style while we watch the game. So if you can't watch it, you can hear the play-by-play analysis like radio. Or if, you know, you want to watch it with us and mute the commentators or mute us. Eh, go ahead. You know, a view is a view for me. So, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about it. But anyway, so we will be broadcasting at 930 sharp on Friday coming up in just a basically 24 hours time when this gets posted. Um, and in terms of. And in terms of the copyright thing, we just hear so they so that we don't get fined. Exactly. We're only here so we don't get fined. But <laughs> on to as Canada go to become the world champions of FIBA in the World Cup, a uh, 200 meter sprinter has decided he's going to take a shot at, I'll say the NBA, but North American sports in general for the world champion moniker we give to champions. So, to explain this in a less convoluted way, when North American teams win, NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, for example, the major sports, when they win their championships, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Stanley Cup, and the NBA championship, or the Larry O'Brien, the uh, Lord Stanley Cup, the, the Vince Lombardi Trophy, and I don't think the World Series has a extra name to it, but the World Series, we just call them the world champions. Like, currently, the reigning world champions in basketball are the Denver Nuggets. American sprinter Noah Lyles, who won the 200-meter event at the World Athletic Championships down in Hungary, said that he doesn't get why they call themselves world champions, because they don't win a world championship. They win the national championship of the United States because only American teams and the Raptors for basketball. The NHL has a lot more teams, NFL has no Canadian teams, and baseball has one. So we'll just use the NBA for this example because this is who he took a shot at because in his quote, which, quote, 
I have to watch the NBA Finals, and they have world champion on their heads, Lyle said. World champions, world champion of what? The United States? Don't get me wrong. I love the U.S. at times, but that ain't the world. We are the world. We are. All, we have almost every country out here fighting and thriving to put on a flag, sh- uh, flag to show that they are represented. There ain't no flag in the NBA, which he's not completely wrong with that idea. Even though there are technically two flags with Canada and America, with the Raptors being in the NBA. Formerly, the Grizzlies also were in Vancouver, so there used to be one, then two, then one in the NBA of Canadian teams. So I get his point. I just think that the reality is that the best basketball teams are in the NBA. The best basketball players are in the NBA. So at the end of the day, as long as you have the best versus the best, you're winning a world championship regardless if you want to call it that or not. Cajun, what do you think? Do you think do you think Noel Lyles is on track, off track, or completely off uh, off the island? Technically, he's not wrong. Technically. But that's where it stops. Because, be for real. The NBA, in terms of their leagues, like, technically, like, yeah, they're not, they're not, by, by the rule book, they're not a world champion. They shouldn't be defined as world champions, but they play in the best league in the world. We can we can at least like there's universal agreement in at least in terms of that. And the best and like you said, the best players play in the NBA, which is the best league in the world. And this this is the problem with saying a comment like that because like it's just. Yeah, technically you're right, but are you? But are you like it's not like it's not like track and field or like any other sport like with the major sports like and especially with basketball like there's there's with any major sport there's only like there's always that one league that's miles above the rest. That's miles above the rest that like like if you pin their best their best against like say like guys from and and you said this before like guys from like Euroleague or from CBA or from Taiwan from where Dwight Howard is from where where Dwight Howard is playing right now like any NBA team would wipe the floor with them and it's just like. Unless something cha- unless something changes within the next ten or twenty years, it's gonna stay the same way. The NBA, any NBA team is gonna dust the floor with any any like say Euroleague team, NBL team. It won't even be a contest. Oh, and Cajun, no. As I have myself muted, Cajun, and been talking to myself, um, I'll I'll say my point that I was saying to myself, you know, that you have been to CBL games. You live in Scarborough. You've been seeing the Scarborough Shooting Stars playing, and I believe they're reigning champions right now of the CBL, winning their, I'll Uh, say, first uh, championship. What, sorry? Uh, uh, Scarberia. Yeah. Yeah, any, any, any who... You know, so no offense that Scarborough team, but 
it would not be close if they played the Denver Nuggets. And I mean this in all honesty. Again, the Denver Nuggets reigning NBA champions, the, the Scarborough shooting stars would not be close to the Detroit Pistons, who were the worst team in basketball last year with 17 wins. They would not be close to the San Antonio Spurs before they drafted Victor Wembanyama. They would not be close. Because I think it's the the Brian Scalabrini quote when they asked him about, you know, how close would, you know, how, like, when people say, oh, you're trash, I could beat you one-on-one. And he says, I suck compared to NBA players, but I am so much better than you that it's not close. Like, I am closer to LeBron James than you are to me. That's Brian Scalabrini, a guy who averaged, you know, averaged Skip Bayless-level numbers in the NBA. And I mean Skip Bayless as in his high school stats. So I think, what, 1.5 points per game in senior year? I want to say that was the number. Yeah. But anyway? 1.4. Oh, Cajun got the number down. So he memorized it. Shout, ah. out to, shout out to Jalen Rose on first take for that. Water Pistol Pete Jr. Water Pistol Pete Jr. That's a, that's a, that's a classic line right there off the original first take with Skip and, met- uh, Skip and Stephen A. I've never seen Skip Bayless so pressed over a line aside from that. He really had Jalen Rose really had that man stumped. Yeah, he had him oh, bam, yeah, he had him he had him confused and bamboozled. And in his feelings too, like damn, like Jalen, like you made up you made up for the fact that Kobe dropped eighty one on your head. No, no, I don't still don't think he uh, I still don't think he got over that one, Cage. But anyway, you know, I'll I'll let you believe that as as Raptors fan you are. But um, no, it it it's one of those things where you want to argue with them, but you're like, okay, you're right in saying that they're not world champions because it's not a world event, but it doesn't need to be. Like, this is not soccer. This is not you know a sport where there's multiple leagues that dominate in different things. That's just not the way the basketball works. That's not the way football works. Not the way hockey works. Like, I think the closest game. If you said NHL team or, you know, major sport team in North America versus major team in Europe, it would be hockey. I think if you put, what, reigning Stanley Cup champions, the Vegas Golden Knights, up against the reigning KHL champions, which is the Continental Hockey League over in Russia, which is the second best hockey league in the world, 1,000%, I think those games would be semi-close. No, I do not think the KHL would actually win a game, and if they did, it'd be, like, if it was a seven-game series, it'd be the fourth game. It'd be a gentleman's sweep back here in North America, I would say. I think basketball, I think the EuroLeague champion versus the Nuggets wouldn't be close. Would not be close. Because I think you and I can agree that the EuroLeague is probably the second best league there is in in basketball. Football, there is not a comparative league. The NFL is the only dog. It's not the top dog. It's the only dog at the shelter. So the NFL, they are the world champions. There's not another football team on earth. No offense to CFL. Different rules. Different size ball, different field. Like you can't even really call it the same game. Like that's like saying, you know, the best Aussie rules football team is gonna play against the the reigning NFL champions, the Super Bowl champions. Like, come on, like what a joke. So, you know, an MLB, you know, if you want to put put them up against a KBO team over in Korea or an MPB team in Japan, maybe. Like if you really wanna, but like, I don't. Again, I really don't think those games are gonna be close. Like they're they're just they're not gonna be close, and Honestly. I think I think we show it usually at events like this where the Americans normally when they send a half decent team like they have this year they absolutely wipe the floor with the European competition 
Because, yeah, the European teams have one, two, three good players. The Americans have eight, ten, twelve. And let's be honest here, Cage. And we haven't talked about this a whole lot with the American team at the World Cup. There are some really good players on that American team. But they could send, they could send a whole other 12 or 15-man roster that's better than the what's there. Like, off the top of my head, I can name a better American roster to go to the World Cup right now. That did not play in the what? NBA Finals. One that involves LeBron, KD. LeBron, KD, Lillard, Anthony Day-to-Day, Anthony Day-to-Davis. Just Day-to-Day to name Davis, a few. Maybe. You know, Chris um, Middleton would probably be on that team. Jason Tatum would be on that team. Jalen Brown would be on that team, I'd say. Like, there are so many players in the NBA. You know, Ky- Actually, I think Kyrie Irving is what, Aussie? Technically, he was born in Australia. Technically, Aussie. Trey Young. But I think I think he could play for the Americans. I think he, I think he's got citizenship by now. He probably does. But 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 anyway, like there are so many great Americans that oh, yeah. do not Steph? go to these events anymore. Steph Curry. How could we forget Steph Curry? And no offense, Clay Thompson, who probably would make that team with Steve Kerr being the head coach. Like there are so many players. Like, and if John Morant wasn't an idiot and stopped flashing guns on Instagram Live, he'd probably be there with J, Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., his teammate, who might honestly, if you sent the best 15 Americans, might be on the team. I love Jaron Jackson Jr. I think the world of him. But I don't know if he would make that 15-team ro- 15-man roster to go to the World Cup if they sent the best players. He'd be on the fringe for me. He'd be on the fringe for me, I think, of the big men. You know, because I'm not sure, other than Anthony Davis, I'm not sure how many actual top big men the Americans actually have, though, just off the top of my head. Because right now, the top the two best centers in the world are African descent, Joel Embiid, and Serb Nikola Jokic. Mm. But, you know, like, there's so, James Harden would go for the Americans. How can we forget James Harden? You know, would Russell Westbrook have a, have a right to that team? Probably not, with how well he's played recently. Tyrese Halliburton, I believe Halliburton's there. He probably would have made the team if they said the best Americans. Like, there are guys, uh, Spinda. How could Donovan Mitchell not make a team like that? And, you know, I, I know I keep going. It's I keep thinking of guys I haven't said yet. That's like, I can't I can't not say this guy because of how good he is. I think Mitchell was there in 2019. Like, there are so many good Americans that could play on this team and dominate that are not the guys who are there. Like, that's how good the U.S. is, is they don't even send the best players and they still normally win. Like, that's how good the U.S. is at basketball, is they usually don't even send their best players. It's same thing with, like, when hockey has their, I'll say, World Cup or whatever they call the event they do for the guys who are out of the playoffs during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, this year, I think Canada got, I want to say third or maybe second. I can't remember because, again, I don't I don't really care because I – Look at the roster. I'm like half those guys wouldn't even start for my wouldn't even play for the Boston Bruins, my team. But it's like you look at that roster and you're like, those are if you made the best Canadian hockey team to go to the like, I'll say the Olympics where the NHL would actually stop their season to send them. It's not even like they're not even comparable rosters. So let's not act like and try to push a narrative that just because we don't have European teams in the NBA that they're not world champions because that's kind of ridiculous. I think it's an unrealistic expectation 
to say that because there's not European teams in the NBA that they can't call themselves world champions. Because I bet you if we could broker a, a deal of how they do it, if it was a, if a home and home between the EuroLeague champion and the NBA champion, or, you know, it's a three game set. It's a th- best of two, best of three series. And you play one game in the, at their home court, one game in the U S and one neutral site. So you play like one in Denver or you play one in, I don't know who the EuroLeague champion is. We'll say it's Real Madrid. So Madrid, so you play in Madrid in Spain. You play in Denver for the Nuggets, and then the neutral site game's in Japan. It's in Tokyo, or it's in um, Russia. It's in Moscow, which might cause some problems. But anyway, it's in Germany. It's a, it's in Berlin or Munich, right? Like, I don't, you know, I, I don't really know how to remedy that type of scenario. Cage, do you can you think of a, re- a remedy for it for a guy like Noah Lyles who wants to put kind of. I'll say say an open secret that they're not world champions because they don't play against other teams from the world. The NBA town speaks for itself, man. Like, can't really compare. Like, there's no really comparison to the NBA. The NBA is like miles miles ahead of everybody else, every other league. Um. So yeah, like. I don't think there's any contest. Like, I don't think there's any debate on, like, which. Like, yeah, technically you aren't world champions, but in a way you are world champions. That's what I took away from all this. So, I guess our, our my, my final comments to Noah Lyles, who definitely will not listen to this, kick rocks. Like, what, what's the point? Well, why are you saying something that we all know, but like. No, there's no fix to saying like, oh, they're not world champions. Okay, well, how do they become world champions? Do they play? Do they play the best Euroleague team? Do they play? You know, do they do they play against world teams? Like, do you like do you do you make the Denver Nuggets play against the Serbian national team or the American national team or the Canadian national team? Like, how do you remedy that? How would you fix that? Because I don't think. You can compare an NBA championship to, say, an Olympic gold or a FIBA World Cup. Like, they're not a comparable trophy. So I just don't really know why Lyle, who's a single, who's a single athlete sport like track, where you, it's, unless you're doing a four, like a, a, a four by one, meaning a, a four person 100 meter dash. I think he's or, done 100, 200, and four by 100. Yeah, but even regardless, like they call that your team, but like he is a 200 meter runner, which means he is a single sport, like a single, he's a sport of single player, like tennis, like golf. So they're not really comparable, are they? Because like, are no. are the like is the person who wins the PGA Tour are they the world champion? Is because I don't know how many events they have. Is the person like in tennis? You know, like who's the? There's no world championship in tennis. There's the Olympic gold medal. There's the U.S. Open, Australian Open, French Open, you know, the Open, or, or uh, the uh, I can't remember the other one, Wimbledon. That's why I couldn't think of it because it's not called the championship; it's just called it's just called Wimbledon. Like, is it the person who wins more of those four? Like, how do you decide who the world champion is? I know they do it by point rankings in like reality, but like by trophy, how do you decide that? Is it whoever wins the most tra- championships? Like most actual tournaments, 
not just who cares about the actual rankings of those tournaments. Like it, it I think it just snowballs snowballs everything that isn't like a world championships, like what Lyle was at in, in Bucharest or Bu- Budapest, pardon me, or an Olympics where they're kind of seen as that world stage. Unlike I'll say the NBA or NHL or NFL, for example, but I just don't get the I don't get the comparison. I don't know why he made that comparison. Because I don't think anyone's I mean, gonna compare Jordan Lyles to an NBA champion. <laughs> so I, I don't no. I just don't know why that came to his head. Like I I, I I'm kind of confused at why he that was his first thought after winning a gold medal at the 200 meter in Budapest. Like I think that's kind of weird. Hey man, man wanted to man wanted to go viral. What can I say? And he did, and he had a lot of NBA players, including guys you just talked about, Kevin Durant, um, Bam Adebayo had something to say, De'Aaron Fox, Raymond Green, Damian Lillard, Anthony Gordon, to just name a few, said oh, some Aaron things Gordon on was Twitter. The, Aaron, Aaron Gordon was the wildest one of them all. Man yeah, said he, he could beat him in, Man said he could beat him in the 200 meters. I'm like, damn, Gordon. Yeah, Aaron Gordon's mm-hmm. quote on Twitter, and I quote, said, whatever, dot, 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 I'm smoking, buddy, in the 200 meter. I was like, well, damn. I guess Aaron Gordon with those little dreads. I guess he's, you know, he's got some confidence, Cage. But you got to respect. <laughs> got to respect it. Guy's got some confidence. Guy's got the juice. Okay. The funniest the one juice. had to. The funniest one had to come from my boy uh, Kraft Dinner. Oh, not not Katie. You like so somebody helps this brother. Somebody come help this brother. I'm like, bruh. <laughs> you know, so. Um, I I just you know again I'll say I just don't know how to remedy that particular uh, gripe by Noah Lyles and even if I did have a have a way of fixing it I'm not sure I'd want to because why would be the point of sending an American team to go play against the Euroleague champion that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me so um, I'm gonna use a I'm gonna use a quote of I don't even you know, throw the hands up. I don't even, you know, and just kind of call it a day with a kind of up his up arms up in the air, like mm, I don't know. Because again, I just think oh, it's yeah. stupid. I guess is the way I'll put. It. I think I think it's kind of stupid and lazy. It's a it's, to, a, it's like a it's a bro moment. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of a like seriously, that's the hill you're gonna die on today. That's the hill. That's the hill you've chosen. The NBA champions are world champions because there's not other flags in it. Well, technically there is, but you know, only one other, not you know, nine other or whatever. But regardless, before we continue to beat that horse of Noah Lyles and his, I'll say ignorant comments, but more just like blinder comments of trying to big up yourself that you're a world champion while bringing down a team sport champion. But anyway. Now on to a retirement. Well, and I'll, I'll say retirement, but I'd say forced retirement. As NBA referee Eric Lewis has retired effective immediately is the wording after a league investigation. Quote unquote. Yeah, quote unquote, effective immediately. In the wake of a league investigation that he was using a then Twitter. Of course, now it's called the X or just X. It was a then Twitter account to defend himself and other officials online. Basically, to you again, layman's terms, he was using a burner account, like Kevin, like just like your boy Kraft in or Kevin Durant, to defend and himself the- and other officials. 
which violates by, league policy. And by the name Blair Cutliffe. That was actually that was actually the burner burner account's name. What a name, eh? What a, yeah, what a name to pick, Blair. You couldn't have picked a whiter name. And I will say, just for example, Eric Lewis is, a, is a, was a black official, but Blair Cutlet, that sounds like such a white name. Like that is a guy I literally met in Vancouver. Like that's who that is. That's a West uh, Coaster if I've ever heard a name, Cage. My God, Blair's surfing it up right now. Okay, that's all I gotta say. That's all I gotta say about that. But yeah, at 52 years young. And doing four NBA finals in his career was not chosen for this year's finals because obviously of the investigation. But yeah, he violated the league policy by commenting on officiating without authorization from the league. And I, but I do have to be honest here, Cajun, and and I'm not saying he's right because I don't think you're. I don't think he's right because I don't think he should have try to go at people on Twitter because there's just no point. Like <laughs> Twitter is really really just a cesspool now. It was it ha- it has been and it's just getting worse now. It's just a cesspool mean, of negativity whatever insert social media here. It's just Twitter slash X is the worst for it. Of being just a cesspool of negativity and bringing people down and being somewhere that I'll be honest, I don't want to be. I have a X account. I don't use it. I don't post on it. I barely look at it because I despise formerly Twitter. I thought it was stupid. And I thought it was just a one of the worst social medias we've created. And it's only gotten worse. And I have no interest in going on that platform. Just for me personally, I have no interest in going on that platform. I don't use it. Oh. I don't try to pick up my brand on it because I don't have one and be, you know, I just, I just think it's just not for me. It is not a platform for me. So why he did it beats me. I guess the negativity was just too much for him at, at, you know, he kept, kept getting uh, confronted and belittled and just decided he's had enough. Can't stands no more, but you Mm -hmm. know, this is good. I'll go to finish my point of what I was saying that, I'm not saying what he did was good, but my def- in my defense of Eric Lewis, the for- former NBA official, is I wish leagues let officials talk to media. I wish fans had a chance to understand, not agree with, understand, because we'll never agree. We'll, we'll never agree. Like, Cage, I've never read the NBA rulebook. I've never read the basketball rulebook. I'll be honest. I've had a chance to, and I never have. I've read very small pieces, very small, like paragraph pieces of the NHL of, of the hawk of the hockey slash I'll say Ontario slash Canadian version of the ref um rule book because Alain of the Outridge, Big Al, gave me his book while he and I were talking after one of the games he officiated and I commentated. And I had a chance to kind of skim through it. And you saw basically at the end of every single penalty, it was to the referee's discretion, to the referee's discretion, blah 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 blah. So the rule book is basically written where the referee, the guy on the floor or the woman on the floor, will make the choice of pe- uh, foul, not foul, penalty, not penalty, period. And yes, there are guidelines, and yes, there are things you're supposed to look for as an official, but at the end of the day, they are still supposed to make the call. It is their discretion to make the to make the call. So I wish leagues would allow referees, umpires, you know, whatever, officials, to c- talk to the media. And not even to necessarily take questions, just explain what the call was and why they made it. What they saw, 
and why they made it. Because if they're wrong, then the no offense should be okay saying, hey, I made that mistake. I took a second look at it in the, in the dressing room and I was wrong. That's my bad. Or I rewatched it and you know what? I was right. This happened. This happened in this rule under this guideline. This was violated. That's why it was a penalty or a foul. Because if you let them be transparent with the fans and with the with the media and with the with the organizations, there'd be so much less need for social medias to lambast these poor officials that I do think oh, is absolutely. well overblown, well overblown. And I will stand on that. I will sit on that perch till the day I die because I hate the way officials get talked to and treated. I think it's disgusting the way some people treat officials and local at professional. I think it's ridiculous because again, without them, the sport would not be happening at the, at the eight, at the age eight level to the NHL, NBA, NFL level. And more importantly is you and I couldn't do it, Cage. You and I couldn't do it. Like we make fun of them because they make a bad decision in a bang, bang scenario. You try doing it. It is impossible. It is so difficult. So yes, they do make mistakes. Of course they do. They're human. But the way they yeah. get treated is just reprehensible. It's just disgusting. It is, you know, it's horrible. And I really hope and I really wish that if transparency was a thing, I feel like it would happen less. Or at least the hope for me would happen less. I don't know if it would because people suck. But the hope would be it would happen less because the refs could defend themselves and explain why they made a why they made a call, and if they made a mistake, just say, "Hey, I made a mistake. I'm human. I I saw it this way. I rewatched it. Happened this way. That's my bad. You know, nothing I can do about it now. But just telling you, I made a mistake. I think it would cause a lot less scrutiny than we get now, where our officials have to make burner accounts to defend themselves and other officials. Like, how sad is that? That if an official felt like. He had to make a burner account to defend himself and coworkers. It, like it's ridiculous. When you put it that when you put it that way, it's just sad. It's just like like damn, because like the first thing they think that, that comes to your mind when you think of bad calls is like some of these refs could be on a power trip. But some of these refs just make mistakes too at the same time. And it's really just unfortunate that Eric Lewis had to, like, resort to that, to making a burner account. Um, But there's only so much you can do. And didn't help that he was, like, a key part of, like, didn't help in terms of, like, social media that he was a key part in, like, and I think you remember this, the non-call for on LeBron against your Celtics. It's literally just unfortunate the fact that um Eric Lewis had to resort to that. Um now the incident that I was referring to was LeBron James driving to the basket. Get, when you looked at the replay he clearly got hacked by Tatum, which should have resulted in two free throws, but the call was not made. Obviously, people saw uh, the way James reacted to that call went viral. It also involved Patrick Beverly showing a camera to Eric Lewis, who then promptly teased him up. And 
they both sort of spoke up about it like during the time that also surfaced like LeBron's like no way this ish is true and then Beverly wanted to act all petty and said that um man was laughing at me when I showed showed out the camera like that foul I'm like I have sympathy for umpires that um just have a lot on their plates. But if you are already on a power trip, I'm like, uh, like, yo, come on. Like, it's just unfortunate all around, and it's just unfortunate that like, a ref with as much experience as him and, and did some good, like, was actually a decent NBA ref, too. It's just such a shame that, like, he had to resort to using social media to try to defend, like, the guys that he works with. Mind you, he's out of a, he's out of a job right now, and yet Scott Foster's still employed. So, like, like, so, like, there's that. But it's just sad to see all around. Like, social media has really gotten people to for better or for worse, try to clap back through that platform. And for some people, it just doesn't work. And for some people, it's just, it just ain't allowed. And that was the case with Eric Lewis. Yeah, again, he did violate a league policy by commenting publicly on officiating without the authorization of the league. So there's no debate there. There's no debate that he should not have done what he did. But again, think about the the feeling you must have as a human being to have to feel like you need to go out and create an account on a social media to defend not just yourself but your coworkers because of the scrutiny. Now, I can tell you, as a person who's dealt in customer service and dealt with people that have been mean and ignorant and rude and have said some things that I don't think they meant to me and other staff, you know, and I occasionally, I bet you've dealt with the same thing in, at work. I've, n- like, I've never even had, like, that, because, of course, obviously, our jobs are very different than necessarily an NBA referee where you're dealing with millions of people on the internet calling you who knows what kind of names, all kinds of obscenities. But still, like, to think that he felt like he needed to defend himself and coworkers after 19 years as an NBA official, 1,200 games, including both regular season and playoffs in those 19 seasons. Like, it must take a real level of, like, like scrutiny to push a guy, to push a person to that decision that they know could cost them their job. Because there's no way Eric Lewis didn't know it was against the rules. Because we all know the NBA refs or, or, or officials in general can't really talk to the media. They're not supposed to talk to the media. They're not supposed to defend their stance. They're just supposed to act like the scrutiny isn't happening, which I don't like, but is what the league, major leagues do. They just say act like it's not happening instead of defend your decision, explain why you made your call. But I, it's just so, I'll say sad for that particular stance that this 52-year-old referee decided to make a burner account because of the level of scrutiny he and other officials are facing. Like, it, it's just sad dec- to think about. And a decent NBA ref for that, too. 
Yeah, it's not like, and, and I'm going to use a, a different reference here because of um, MLB, of course. Angel Hernandez. And I think even people who don't I watch baseball li- have li- heard of Angel Hernandez. And everyone has seen, because Angel Hernandez, for I think the most recent famous incident, it was, I believe, Padres versus Phillies. So San Diego Padres versus Philadelphia Phillies. 1-1 game, bottom of the ninth. I think base is juiced. Schwar- um, Kyle Schwarber's at, at, at the plate. I want to say 3-2 count, but like two-strike count. Ball is so far off the plate. It's probably a foot off the plate. I think it's 3-2 because I remember Schwarber throwing his helmet to to go to the first base. And Hernandez rings him up and ends the inning to send him to extras. And Schwarber throws his helmet, throws his bat. Starts yelling at Hernandez, gets immediately tossed, and he and the sad part is you can read his lips. There's the course of the John Boy Media um, lip reading video, and he's literally saying, you know, you've been you you've been garbage for both sides. You missed calls from both sides. Like he wasn't just arguing for the Phillies. He was saying you've sucked for the Padres too. Which means again, how bad do you have to be for a player to say you last- suck for us and for them? It was last year. This was, was last year, right? good. I think It was when the Padres were actually good at baseball. And the Phillies. It might have been the Brewers. I think it might have been the Brewers. But this it was, was like definitely a first a, Phillies team. It, must have, it was definitely a, a, like a brownish team. So that also could be true. It could be the Brewers. But I, actually, no, I, I remember it was Josh Hader. So I'm going to Google it real quick. Because I remember Josh Hader. And he ironically played for both of those teams last year. So maybe it could have been the Brewers before he got dealt. But I'll quickly check. But like that example of and I, and again that's not the first time Angel Hernandez has been ridiculed ridiculed for decisions and again he had a horrible night behind the plate in in that particular game he had another stinker in the Red Sox versus Yankees ALDS where and Cajun I watched this game I'm a Yankees fan I watched this game Angel Hernandez called not one not two not three but four consecutive First base outs incorrectly. Four innings in a row. Four. Four, Cage. The umpire made a call at first base four times in a row, and all four times he was wrong. First time he called him out, he was safe. Second time he called him safe, he was out. Third third time called him out, he was safe. Fourth time called him safe, he was out. Four straight times they reviewed Angel Hernandez. They challenged Angel Hernandez's decision at first base, and he was wrong four times in a row. Both teams kept their challenges. They keep challenging Angel Hernandez at first base. And I'm going to try a dog in Angel Hernandez. I despise when people do it. Because again, in my opinion, blaming the referees is a loser's excuse. There are other reasons you lost the game. You cannot blame the officials in any sport. There are other reasons why. And blaming the officials is a lazy way of saying you're not willing to look at what you did wrong in the game. Period. All that means to me. Because you are not mm. willing to look back and say, we did this thing wrong, this thing wrong, we should have done this better, we would have won. The referee is taken out of it. But anyway, like, it, it is sad that an official got, it went to this length, that it got to this stage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, it, it, and, and I, I'll be honest, Cage, I wouldn't be surprised if more officials do it and they just haven't found them yet in every sport because it must just get so tiresome hearing the same 
I'll say idiots as Charles Barkley would say, but the same people on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, just talking all that garbage online, having to not stand up for it, not, you know, do it to your face or anything. You know, so behind their yeah. keyboard at home in their underwear in their in with their with the drawers on and the mama's ba- in, in their grandma's basement, as Charles Barkley would say, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't get a chance to defend themselves. They just had to take it. All officials, because again, as they said, not allowed to publicly defend themselves or co-workers without authorization from the league. It just sucks all around. It just it, sucks all around for like, just like the refs to have to deal with that on a daily basis. It's like borderline harassment, or if it if it isn't already. Um, and I will say Cajun quickly because I do have the official uh, official ruling. You are right. It was the Brewers versus the Phillies. And the reason why I said the Padres is because it was Josh Hader on the mound. Because it was Josh Hader before he was traded to the Padres from the from the Brewers, I thought it was San Diego. No, you're right. It was Milwaukee Brewers versus the Philadelphia Phillies. And that was um, where, like, when you, turn, when you look at the camera, turn it back, like, holy... That did not look pretty. That did not look pretty at all. No, it was it was a rough officiate. It was a rough rough day in the office for Angel Hernandez behind the plate. It was a rough day for Angel Hernandez. What day isn't at this point for him? Yeah, Angel Hernandez really become the meme of the MLB world for umpires. He has had some, as again I mentioned with the with the ALDS when he, you know, got the the four straight well, first base calls. Well, man had the nerve to file a racial discrimination lawsuit like during that time too. I think that's the way I could, that's where I considered him the bigger like a bigger clown out of all that. Like, and I know like one, it's not really ideal talking bad about the rest. I'm like, bro, you've been uh, looks like this man's been living under a rock for years. Because yeah. it's just like. Well, I mean, if if you believe it, Cage, you believe it. You know, I don't know. I don't know how else to say that. You know, if you believe it, you believe it. I guess. Yeah, I'm like filing a racial discrimination lawsuit is one thing. Like if you're doing your job, but I'm like if you're not good at it, and that's like a bro moment. Like I'm just like with well, no allies, bro. Well, yeah, no. Uh, Angel Hernandez and I, I will just quickly elaborate on that too. Angel Hernandez sued the MLB. For racial discrimination because he was not he was not given um, playoff games and World Series games the pr- the prior couple seasons, and they went to a to a, went to an arbitrator or judge and the judge and they basically the MLB's defense was you suck you are so bad that we do not feel we do not feel confident in your ability to put you in those type of games so we do not put you in those games that was the defense the defense was basically you suck, and the MLB won of course so. How sad is that? How sad is it that you take your employer to court and they just say you suck and you lose? Like it, that cannot be a nice feeling, Cajun. Of all the feelings, you know, you could feel that cannot be a positive one. Oh, most definitely can't. Like, but I will say this, the refs go through a lot. Refs and officials go through a lot and like, it's a fine line because, like, you you also got to be transparent with the fans and like the media about like 
how your how the officiating was, but at the same time, like it's a tough position to be in. So like Oh, no doubt. No doubt about that. I feel that. Well, as I quickly try to finish up the Scrabble board quickly, I will finish up before we hit the Scrabble board with this. We've talked about Bronny James a couple of times on the show. If you did not hear or have missed the last couple episodes, LeBron James' son, Bronny James, current a USC Trojan, University of Southern California Trojan, he had a cardiac he had a cardiac arrest. He at at, at USC during a scrimmage going into his first NCAA season with uh, USC. He was taken to hospital. Obviously, he was fine. We mentioned that a couple of times. So he was fine after the event. But um, obviously, he's not been playing basketball and is now with his family back in California, where the James family lives, of course, with him playing for the Lakers. And um, the reasoning why is because of a uh, congenital heart defect. It, it is why he had his most recent um, cardiac arrest. It's because of a heart defect. But it is believed... But, but it is believed that he will make a full recovery and that he will be fine. And we don't know if that... Well, first and of, I'll, go ahead. Well, first of all, it's great that he's on the way to making a full recovery, but it's just heartbreaking for like... And I've said this before, but it's just heartbreaking for like a kid a kid just to be dealing with this like especially when you're your starting uni or like uni uni basketball college basketball like it's just it just sucks like none of y'all deserve like it's just rough He was released from hospital on July 27th, so today is August 20th, or 31st, pardon me. So it's been a little over a month since he's been home. Um, again, he it, w- it is believed he'll make a full recovery. He is making a full recovery, and it's and it says in the comments from the um, from the health professionals, uh, from the James Family Sports person, from their doctors that he will that we are very confident in Bronny's full recovery and return to basketball in the near future. We will continue to provide updates to media and respectfully reiterate the family's request for privacy, which is, again, so sad to say that it's so sad to hear them have to say, please give us some privacy. Our son just had cardiac arrest. For the love of all that is holy, do not come to our door or some stupid thing like that. Like, it, um, it is so sad that people have to say that kind of stuff when stuff happens, like when deaths happen in families and, and events happen that no no one hopes for, no one wishes on anyone, hopefully. They have to well, request one, request privacy, right? Like it's it's so sad. Well, for one, as sad as it is, it's not surprising because on one, it's social media, and two, people are just naturally nosy. I don't like it, but I don't. It's just something that I don't think is going to change anytime soon, and. It's just sad all around. It's just sad that that has to be that that like you're right. It's just sad that it even has to be said in the first place. It's just sad all around, and I feel for the James family. I feel for Bronny. I'm just hoping he can have a speedy recovery and get back to doing what he loves very soon. 
which is seemingly basketball. I know. Remember, I remember you and I talking about it when he first, when he when he first went into hospital and was released back home. We talked about how basketball will be in his future. Now, maybe maybe not necessarily a great idea, but it will be in his future. Which is as in that statement says, it definitely seems like he'll be back at USC in relatively due time as the season in the NCAA nears closer. But um, all you can hope for, I guess, is it doesn't happen again, right? His hope is this doesn't happen again. Um, I'll say, for example, there are lots of hockey players who have dealt with this and have never had it happen again, thank goodness, and played some played after having a cardiac arrest on the bench. Um, I think the most recent NBA or basketball would be Keontae Johnson, for formerly of Florida. Um, he had a, I believe, cardiac arrest playing for Florida spent three years off at Florida and just played his senior season last year with Kansas State, making the Sweet 16 with the uh, with the Wildcats. And then um, uh, being drafted in the most, the most recent NBA draft in the second round. And I can't remember exactly who got Keontae Johnson off the top of my head, but he was a, a draft pick in most the most recent NBA draft. Is the most recent memory to me, Cage. Maybe you could think of somebody more pressing that had something like this happen to them. But um, that's the most that's the name for me that comes to mind. But anyway, you know, hopefully Bronny again speedy recovery and gets back to doing stuff that he enjoys. If that's basketball, then I guess that's basketball. If it's you know the piano, which is what he was playing when the uh, the family posted the, the 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 video after he was released from the hospital, he was playing the piano. So um, mm-hmm. hopefully that is the way this goes, and that he is he is a okay, which is seemingly where we're, we're on track for. And that's all you can hope for at this point. Definitely all you can hope for. And now the thing you've been hoping for, Cajun, the Scrabble board is here. I got two names for you, Cajun. Are you ready? And again, for you, those of you who don't know, the Scrabble board is a running joke between myself and, and my co-host Cajun. When we were in college, when we used to do our radio shows, if he was ever in my group of doing our radio show, I'd have to point him out, you know, like I'm 6'9 in the courtroom and have to say, here with my favorite Scrabble board name, Cajun Thiru Thani Castellum. And it has been continuing on ever since. Because I thought it was funny and Cajun thought it was funny and you just got to laugh at everybody when I said it. So I just kept it going. So Cajun, are you ready? Cajun. There we go. I, I, was I didn't even remove it. I was, yeah. I was muted. Yes, I am. All right. So the first name is hyphenated. I might give it away, but it's hyphenated. Okay. Okay. L S O L H I. Wait, wait. L S O L H I. L H I. L H I. Hyphen. Oh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. And it would be Rondé Hollis Jefferson, the most recent star of the FIBA World Cup. You ironically mentioned him while I was figuring out if I was going to put him in the Scrabble board. And since you mentioned him, I had to meant, I put in Rondé Hollis Jefferson, the most recent star, with his amazing performances for Jordan. He averaged 31.5 points in the first two games for Jordan, only had 20 in their loss to the Americans in the last day of the original group stage. But... 
maybe he's playing himself into an NBA contract cage because Aranda Hollis Everson, former first round pick in 2015, you know, I again, I, I keep talking about how the World Cup is kind of a interesting event because of the way teams are made up. But, you know, if you dominate, maybe an NBA team might come sniffing around, give him a PTO, give him a, uh, give him a 10 day contract, figure out what they have. Honestly, it just comes like 10 day contract wise, like, He's really re reinvigorated himself, like, and remade himself on the offensive end, like, because like some of those moves that I saw were skate were downright scary. It looked like it, it looked like Kobe, our rest in peace of Kobe, but it looked like Kobe possessed him at times. I'm like, wait a second, not sure if Rondé Hollis Jefferson or Kobe Bryant. Like it was, it was just like that. Like it was just like that eerily similar in terms of their games during the FIBA World Cup. I'm like, damn. And number two again. I only have two names this week again. Very very slow news week. I'll probably have more names next week after we do our live stream of the Canadians versus Brazil. And I do want to mention this cage, and we will talk about it because the next game is on a Sunday at 9:30. But I'm hoping Cajun and I can do every single Canadian game live streamed on the Outrage YouTube channel from here on out. So the next two games between Spain and Brazil, and then if they make the quarters, the quarter, the quarters, and as far as the Canadian team goes, if they only if they only get through this stage, then I guess we do two games. But if they make it all the way to the final, then we're doing a whole lot of games, Cage. But you and I will have to talk about scheduling for for Sunday. I know I'm good for Sunday, I believe. So we'll see if you're good for Sunday. But, for now, yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, but always things seem to seemingly get in the way, so we will decide that. But again, at this point, we will be live Friday on the Outrage YouTube channel, which is just called the Outrage. You can find us. Got our logo and everything. Got all the pods up on YouTube. If you can't listen to them here on Spotify or Apple or or whatever streaming service you, you prefer to use, I usually use Spotify myself. But we are up on YouTube. Every single episode of the Outrage and of Polar Opposites are up on the channel. So if you want to maybe go check out one of the episodes, you can there. So we will be live streaming live on YouTube, 9.30 sharp. We probably will be going live a little bit earlier, maybe 9.15, 9.20, preview the game, talk about what we expect, talk about the, you know, the, the X factors for both teams, et cetera, et cetera. But to continue and finish off the Scrabble board cage, one last name. Are you ready? I'm ready. M-N-S-O-M-S. Benefer Simmons? It would be our favorite Aussie, Ben Simmons. And the reason why Ben Simmons, the chronically injured Ben Simmons, is on the Scrabble board this week is, as I said, I usually go around the NBA uh, website and just kind of talk about, you know, and grab the top articles, get a name, and I, I throw them into the... Uh, Throw him into the document. Ronda Hollis Jefferson obviously playing great for Jordan. He gets into the list. The reason why Ben Simmons does is because Ben Simmons said he plans to come back and dominate with the with the with the Brooklyn Nets after he comes back from his injury. So yeah, it sounds like him. Ben Simmons is finally going to come back to play basketball after feels like forever on the injured reserve list. And he's now feeling 100%, and he's going to come back. He's For me, to come back and dominate, people will be great. 
is another quote of Ben Simmons. So he expects to be at a top, top level when he comes back from his long hiatus. Do you see it, Cage? Do you, what do you, I guess, what do you think of Ben Simmons' confidence in himself? I like the confidence, but he's in proven mode. He's in proven mode and like, he's lost a lot of goodwill, especially like the way his Philly tenure ended and the way like his Brooklyn tenure has gone off, like has started off. So you got to prove it to everyone that he will be, he's willing to work things out, especially Especially, like, with a completely different Brooklyn Nets lineup. Like, he's going to be playing a more a more prominent role now with that team rather than, say, last season when back when KD and Kyrie were on the team. So, like, it's going to be very interesting to see. I like the confidence, but man got to prove it. And another thing I want to mention here, Cajun, it's really interesting from this article about Ben Simmons and his, his return to Brooklyn, finally being able to come back and play at allegedly 100% and playing at point guard. He said he want, he's going to play point guard. That's who he is. That he said he might go back to Philly. And what do I mean by that? He said, and I quote, I'll always have love for Philly. People always ask me, like, if you were to get traded again, where would you want to be? I always say just Philly. Philly is my second. Uh, Philly is a second home to me, and in time, you learn and grow as a uh, grow as people. I don't really have anything bad to say about Philly. It was a crazy situation at the end, but it is what it is. So, not only did he say how how much he, he loves living in Brooklyn and wants to be a Brooklyn Net, and that he expects to be back to a dominant level, that he'd be okay going back to Philly. This seems like a massive change from a guy who has been seen as a prima donna the last two years. And I'm not sure if that changes with this particular article and the things he's saying. He's got to, I think, it, again, you mentioned he's got to prove it. Words versus actions are two different things. His actions have to match this. His actions need to continue this for people to start believing him. But if this is true, and even if he comes back at a good level, a very good level even, and, you know, doesn't say some dumb things to the media and doesn't do some prima donna things. Maybe he can change that narrative. Maybe he's going to be able to to fix that persona. But right now, he's really in that like prima donna bracket because of the exit from Philly, the basically year off in Brooklyn last year, how much money he's making, you know, the the demands and the awkwardness about his injuries and stuff. Like it, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how Ben Simmons tries to change that narrative that has been building for the last two years. Sorry. And it's going to be a very difficult thing to get off his back, but this is new for me to hear, like, about Ben Simmons, like, kind of humbling himself. I think that's the word I was trying to look for, humbling. Um... I'm just not getting too much into the theatrics right now. He just wants a ball right now. Now, whether he does ball or not like, will be to be determined, but 
I like the fact that Ben Simmons is lo- like locked into training camp and trying to just basically trying to earn some goodwill back and be a good NBA player again. So I and wish we'll him the I, I wish him I wish him the best. We always wish people the best around this show, and Ben Simmons is included, even with him being a prima donna, formerly, it looks like. But we'll see again if Ben Simmons can get back to that all-NBA defense, all-NBA player he used to be, as what I'll say, before the injuries recently. But we'll see if Ben Simmons can be a star superstar on the Brooklyn Nets and see how far he can pull that team with Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson formerly uh, from some of the trade pieces they got for Kyrie and Katie when they were traded to their respective teams in Phoenix and um and Dallas but we'll have to see but with that with Ben Simmons's new optimism that'll be it here for us on Polar Opposites for Cajun Theru Thanny Castleham I'm Spencer Byers. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, stay tuned. Friday live stream. We'll be back again next week. Same time, same place for Polar Opposites, episode 11, here on The Outrage. No, wait. Not same place, same time. 9.30 a.m. Well, that's just Friday. I meant, like, next episode will be next same place, Fair same enough. time. Fair here enough. on The Outrage. Peace.